How are you? Oh, that was that was just awful. <laughs> <laughs> like this this the thought came to my mind where I was like, if we're gonna endure any other games like this and we know that we're podcasting, we we just need to do some sort of drunk podcast. <laughs> because we would that would at least add some entertainment value to it. You know I'm gonna do this as as a, a, a cold open. This is this is actually going to be on the podcast. Let's do it. Okay. Um <clears throat> You want to know what the really sad part is? I was sitting here with like four minutes left in the second quarter. I'm like, oh, this is this is a really spirited effort tonight. The Knicks are playing some good defense after they they came out of the gate slow initially. It was like you know they they picked up their effort. They were moving the ball, and then from like the what was it like the three minute mark of the second quarter until well, I guess the final buzzer. It was like man that. That team looked like the worst team in the league. Yeah, yeah. It um, <laughs> just from the first quarter alone, the Mavericks are known for shooting a lot of threes in the first, but they shot fourteen, and That's they didn't insane. even really they didn't even hit that many of them, and yet they it felt like every three pointer was also wide open, and all these players just had full access to going through to the rim. Every player, it seemed, was constantly driving or kicking it out and then kicking out again for a wide-open three. And I just – yeah, this felt like a team that was – this team being the Knicks. I just looked at it and I thought, you are crap. You are actual bull crap, and I hate that I'm watching you right now. There was <laughs> there was more than a little self-loathing um, at times tonight. You know, it, here's what's what's frustrating about it is – so the team came out and immediately went down 9-3. Fisdale called called the timeout. And then they came out and they played a little bit more more with a little bit more effort, gave up some more threes. But then, you know, I feel like now it's becoming a trend. The second unit comes in and it's, you know, the kid on the 10-day contract, Kadeem Allen, with Trier, Dotson, Mitchell Robinson, and Hazonia. And then it's like, all right, some, some decent basketball. And then, you know, they let go of the rope a little bit towards the end of the first half, and then they come out in the third quarter, and it's more of the same. Um, and then, you know, it's too far gone. And, and what's the common thread in in all of that? It's the starters, and I, I don't know. I just kind of unrailed on or unloaded on Tim Hardaway Jr. in my, my periscope. But I, he was garbage. I've never he- been more <laughs> done with a player um, that I was once a little high on because obviously I've been done with Cantor for a long time, but I was never high on Cantor. Like the day we acquired Cantor, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I'm going to count down the minutes until that contract expires. Mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway Jr., we've had the Tim Hardaway Jr. conversation when you're like, where you're like, this is a player that you don't salary dump, you know, um, even though he's making $17 million. That guy's gone, right? He, he's gone. Like, I don't yeah. know what happened to him. Yeah. I- I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's just not caring. 
I don't know if it's the fact that the team around him is also equally as bad and then that just compounds the issues further, but you can't go 2 of 11 against this team. Uh, and the Mavs are in that awkward, mediocre stage where it's like they're they're too good to be bad and they're not good enough and they're too bad to be good and they yeah. don't even have their pick. So they they just exist. They're exactly what I would picture the Knicks for several years um, over the last – I mean what, for the 2000s whenever they wouldn't have yeah, their no, pick? Yeah, that's, no, that's actually a good comp. And the, the thing that amazed me most was the Mavericks beat the Knicks by 24 points – and yet Luka Doncic was held to 7 of 18 shooting. So if Doncic, you know, connects on – he went 2 of 9 from 3. If he goes 4 of 9 from 3, then you're looking at more points. But it just astonishes me that the Knicks could let Dallas come into New York and just destroy them like this with their best player having a not great game. And Dennis Smith Jr., I don't care that he got a triple-double – I care that he got triple-double against the Knicks because I know that there are going to be a lot of people out there who are going to use this one game as and, supporting evidence yeah. to say, oh, you know, that, but whatever. It's it's done. It is what it is. You want to know You want to know what my issue is with Tim? And and it, I, I, feel, I feel badly saying this in a sense, and in another sense, I don't. You are... In no uncertain to- terms, supposed to be the best player on this crap team, right? Like, is there any doubt about that? Was there any, like, from day one, it was like, all right, he's going to be the guy that if we win a couple games this year, he's probably going to have to play well in those games for it to happen. And then you look at, you know, the numbers on the year, and other than the rookie, the 19-year-old who doesn't know what the hell he's doing yet. Um, who's the guy with the worst net rating on the team? Tim Hardaway Jr. Who's the guy that um, when he's off the court, the Knicks actually play like just like your average bad team as opposed to you know a complete tire fire? Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, B... Yeah, I'm not... No one's asking him to lead this team to wins or, you know, to... to, to but just and then when you see him on a game like tonight everybody around him is trying hard you know i mean again these kids don't know what they're doing on some possessions there's there's things that are unavoidable but again they have an excuse they're 19 and 20 and 22 years old tim should not be the one guy out there who looks like he doesn't want to be there like am i missing something here am i wrong about this am i overreacting no, I think you're correct. I haven't really gotten a sense that his mind has been fully there. Um, he, I'm not in the locker room, so I have, I'm. It's wrong for me to say this to an extent, but I'm going to say it. I feel like he is checked out. There was something about the way that he's been, the way these looked on the court. I'm not necessarily talking about his actual playing, but just his body language. No, I, co- in I a completely lot of ways, agree. Completely he feels agree. turned off. Um, I think that the play with Trier, I think that was really a boiling point as opposed to anything because if you think about it, yeah, that was a frustrating and, – and the play I'm referencing is the one a few games ago where there was the two-on-one and he didn't pass it and then all of a sudden Trier then was pass happy and yeah. I believe it was against the Rockets, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Okay, so 
to me, that wasn't, hey, you messed up. You should have passed me the ball. That was, I'm really frustrated and I'm going to project a lot of my, and displace a lot of my anger on you. And then I noticed for the Nets game, when the game was ending, um, the the Knicks just kind of rolled the ball in and they yeah. said to touch it, the clock yeah. would expire. And Tim Hardaway Jr. was walking to the ball, touched it, and then didn't break his stride and then walked off to the locker room, was the first guy there. It's just, I see how he's looking and he's looking dejected and despondent. And I get it. I understand why this is a tough season, but you are essentially the leader in terms of guys who are actually averaging over 20 minutes. You're not seeing Courtney Lee or Lance Thomas or Ennis Cantor doing that. And, You're the veteran here. And that's, you know, part of that paycheck, part of that paycheck is supposed to be, and I, and I know he's been good in the locker room. Like, by all accounts, like, he's been good. Well, at least early in the season. I don't know how he's been of late. But early in the season, he he seemed like he took that kind of veteran leader role to heart. But part of that paycheck is coming and being a professional every day. And even, you know, tonight there was a moment where there was um, there was a high screen, high high pick, and he went under and, you know, Mitch didn't like he he took a, a bad angle. Mitch didn't come out and it was Doncic's, I think, one three that he hit. Um, and <laughs> again, it was like he had all the, all this feet of space and it was very, 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 um, similar to the Trier play on, you know, on the Harden shot at the end of the Houston game. And then after the play, Tim, you know, holds his arms out as we've gotten very, very used to him doing, you know, speaking of shitty body language and, he looks at Fisdale and Fisdale does the exact same thing, holds his arms out as if he's like, no, don't look at me. It's on you. Like this season, this season is on Tim. He has no one else to blame for this. And this is probably like the most, uh, you know, drive time radio sounding you'll ever hear me. But it's just, it's gotten to that point of frustration with me, with Tim, where I just, I don't know if there was a deal that is going to be on the table. And I guess we should touch on the trade deadline. Because God knows there's nothing else to say about this game. Um, <laughs> if there was a deal on the table over the next week um, that got Hardaway out of town, I, I mean, man, I would have to think about it. Uh, I'm not not any deal, obviously. It would have to be the right deal, but um, I don't know. Where do you? Well, let me get your 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 take. We haven't talked about it, the Anthony Davis thing. So, what do you what do you feel about it? So I started out when I first heard of it um, pretty staunchly against it. You know, we got our young core. Then I swung a little more towards the, okay, well, actually, I can see why this would make sense. Uh, And now I'm more in the middle. So what I walked away from is – and really what I've seen with a lot of fans is purely fandom. And there's nothing wrong with that, nothing at all. I understand why fans want to see this young core – that is being built organically and grow. Uh, kind of similar to what the Golden State Warriors went through, and I, now we see where they are. Can I give I a quick theory? I, my my yes, quick theory is because this organization has literally never done that. Like, well, exactly. I mean, not, not literally because they did it in the late 60s. Um, <laughs> that's the only time that they've ever done it. But go on. Yeah, so it completely makes sense why – fans would want to keep on, you know, Porzingis and all these other players. I look at this purely from an asset standpoint. 
Kristaps Porzingis right now, not from a playing standpoint, but from a overall value standpoint, including contract-wise, his value is at its highest point. Not its highest point ever, but the moment that it becomes 301 next Thursday, Kristaps Porzingis can't be traded, duh, but he can't be traded until December 15th after he signs a new contract. And now I know people would be saying, well, yeah, we're going to resign him, we're going to keep him. The moment he locks into a long-term contract, his value does decrease because we're talking about a young player who was on who was on his rookie contract and played at an incredible level, but he's coming off of a torn ACL and you're going to sign him for at least $27 million a year. So again, just from an asset standpoint, would you rather have Anthony Davis or Kristaps Porzingis and change? And again, it's not a one-for-one one deal. There, it's very complicated. There's no one answer here, especially because there's so many different scenarios. There's the trade deadline. There's draft day. There's finding out what the hell Kevin Durant wants to do or if Kyrie Irving is on the table. Um, but then again, you can't trade Porzingis after the deadline because then he's a restricted free agent. And because he's a restricted free agent, he can't do a sign-and-trade. So – it's just so damn complicated. So I, I think that the best thing to do is hold off for right now, reevaluate and back channel as much as you can, and then see where your draft pick is and explore on on the uh, draft day if you want to make a move. I'll push back on, on just this, uh, and that it's that I think Porzingis does have a chance to be a special player. And I, I, well, I understand the logic behind your statement about the the value. I think there's a there's a significant chance that um, he he will he will increase in value in time because I just think he could be that good. Um, do, do it's you... yeah, it's not a matter of doubting him. It's more that anything can happen. You could say the same thing about Anthony Davis, but. Anthony Davis's brand is bigger than Porzingis's right now. Oh no! L- listen, and, and it's it's more of a sense of like exactly. So if you were to try to lure star players, you'd have a lot better luck. And, and this is also another issue where the last thing you want is for AD to be traded to New York and then walk a year later, and you're like, well, damn, now we have to start this whole process all over again. So I it, completely understand that. Uh, it's more if he were to enter into a contract extension, a max offer, which I know this is all hypothetical anyway, but um, then you really start thinking, we're okay, we have AD long term. He's not going anywhere. We don't have to convince him to stay because we already have. But I get the risk. You don't have to make the trade right now. It's not 2019 or bust, but a lot of it does ride on what the Knicks think of Porzingis. And if they feel that they can get top talent like Kevin Durant, then great. If they feel they can get him with either player, even better. But I'm sure that they have a much better idea as to where Durant's head is than any of us fans do. So it, it, this is the, the rare – I don't want to say rare, but these are one of, this is one of the occasions where you just have to say the Knicks front office is more in touch with what will happen than we are. I uh, – that's a little bit of a scary thought. Um, totally, yeah. Here – here, I so I we had the roundtable piece that came out on on Knicks Film School today, and basically I said this, and it's a it's, and I keep going back and forth. I think the trade that will get you Anthony Davis right now is Porzingis plus Knox plus the pick unprotected. 
I think if you put those three assets on the table right now, um, it would get it done. And I and I even say that with a little bit of trepidation because for New Orleans to do that deal, they would have to be convinced that. Well, I think they would have to be convinced that they were getting a player who was comfortable um, staying there long term. And I have a funny feeling that um, Christoph Porzingis will would um, let's just say use whatever clout he has in the league to very quickly and swiftly figure out a way to get out of New Orleans. So, but putting that issue aside, just from the Knicks' perspective, if it's those three assets for AD, do you do it? Here's here's the reason why the, there I think there are reasons you have to consider it, and you tell me if if any of these don't make sense. One, I don't think fans are, I don't think a lot of fans are properly um, understanding just how good Anthony Davis is. Two, I don't think a lot of people are understanding just how slim the odds are that they get the first pick. Three. I don't think people are understanding just how much Zion Williamson is head and shoulders above everybody else in this draft class. And four, and this is the most significant thing, and it ties into the doomsday scenario that you brought up, which is that what if he, you know, what if Davis walks in a year? I don't think people understand how much more likely it becomes that Durant comes here if Davis is in a Knicks uniform. So I think when you throw all of those things in together, like again, I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm talking about this from my heart as a Knicks fan who's been all I've wanted to do my entire life is root for a team that's like, yes, we raised these kids on our own. They're our kids. They're our guys. Like, no, of course I don't want them to make a trade. But if I'm looking at this from like an asset management perspective, and it's like, oh, this is like the best player. Um, in NBA, in the NBA, to be traded um, in the prime of his career since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I could get him, and I have all this cap space coming up this summer, and the second best player in the league is going to be a free agent, and there's all this smoke that he wants to come here. It's like, man, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And I'm going to try to respond to each point. You made some great ones, and. I'm just trying to remember. But for starters, yes, I do agree that Porzingis would probably do what he can to get out of New Orleans. Um, I read an interesting article recently. Well, two. The first one was – made a great point. If Porzingis isn't happy in a place like New York, why would he be happy in a place like New Orleans? Yes. Um, another thing is that there was a great article. Uh, I think it was by Tom Haverstow, but I can't quite remember. But it detailed pretty much how New Orleans – failed Anthony Davis. And a huge reason was because the owner, uh, Tom Benson, acquired the Pelicans to keep them in New Orleans. He Didn't he do it as like a favor, of, essentially? He did, yes. Yeah. He didn't want them to relocate. And conveniently, he got the first-round pick, which turned into Davis. Uh, first overall pick, excuse me. Funny how, that, but, funny how that works out. Yeah, I know. Time's a flat circle. Um, but so <laughs> what caught my attention in the article was that the – this, the Benson family treated the Pelicans, or still does, they treat them like the stepchild. So they love the Saints because New Orleans is a football town. And they even brought over Saints doctors to the Pelicans. 
it's completely different. I, I mean, there are there are injuries that you suffer in basketball that are completely different from that of football, and it led to a lot of misdiagnoses. And there's a reason why guys like Boogie and Mirtich, even AD, um, Drew Holiday, at a certain point, a lot of these players have suffered serious injuries, and they've cost them more games than I think every other team. I think New Orleans might be the most injury-riddled team within the last well, five years. I, I think you could even go a step further, and and you could say like, su- like, look, say what you want about James Dolan, um, and obviously there's a lot you could say about him. But one, it seems like he's staying out of things permanently now, and two, um, they, you know, they spend, and it would seem that everything, at least within the organization, is first class. I think you could argue the Pelicans may be the most. Um, I don't want to say poorly run. That's probably not the right term, but the most like, you know, lackadaisical management. Yeah, that's a good one. Or just lackadaisically run. Um, yeah, lackadaisically run team in the in the entire NBA. Anyway, so keep going. Yeah. Well, I just I get why fans want the organic growing up of the kids. This was us. We made this together. But if you can build a team around Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. Just those two players, two top five players in the league in the East, and then use what you have left of the players you didn't trade and any veteran minimums, any exceptions that you have to acquire players. There even might be a little bit of cap space left. That is a a title-contending team, and it begs the question, would you rather have a greater chance of a title in a smaller window – or betting on the long haul and hoping that all these pieces that are here come together in some way to produce contention. It's not that I doubt this core. It's not that at all. No, but you. It's it's that you. Ha- it's this is a game with superstars. The stars yes, control the game. Thank you. And I would rather bet on Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant than hope for the best going forward with the players that are there now. But again, the cost of getting Anthony Davis is severe. And you don't want to wreck the team and then have him leave. That's my biggest concern. And and just like to drive this home about how like you could have a great team, you know, and and have guys that are like really 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 good. But unless you have at least two of like those guys like those guys like those guys it doesn't it doesn't matter and the real bitch of it is like for for everybody and i'm look i'm part of this group who's fantasizing about yeah 10 years of like knox and and mitch um and kp and and frank god willing um and all these kids like if they do get to the point where they all hit, like basically the Golden State scenario, where like all of your all of your your picks like hit and they they maximize their outcomes. At some point, it gets too expensive to hold together anyway, and it it you know it breaks apart that way. So, I I think fans like me who have been watching the game since um you know obviously well before you were born. Um, happy sixteenth uh, birthday, by the way. Um, Thank you. Anytime. Um, we like romanticize like 
the Utah Jazz teams and like the Spurs teams and like the you know like all like all the, the obviously the Bulls teams and obviously the Knicks teams those teams that stayed together for a decade that like look around the league that doesn't it doesn't happen anymore it's not possible your window is always going to be short so you might as well maximize it um if you get the chance to and I the thing that I can't escape and what I feel like you're kind of agreeing with is that that window might be in front of them right now and they might have a very 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 small chance to um to go through it let me let me ask you this and so then we'll we'll finish up shop is how big of a difference would it make to you if in this hypothetical trade let's just say it is KP and Knox and the pick let's just say for mm-hmm. argument's sake would it make a difference to you if New Orleans was willing to take back Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract as opposed to what I would expect them to ask for to complete the deal money-wise, which would be Cantor's expiring contract? Would that make a difference to you one way or the other? It certainly clears more cap space. That's for certain. Um, I, I Again, I don't want to get too hot takey here. That's something we've agreed upon yeah. for this whole season. Uh, so the furthest I'll say is this. Unless the Knicks get that first overall pick – I just have this sneaking suspicion that they're going to find a way to package it. Uh, and I say that for two reasons. One, um, because – well, let's say three. One, as you touched upon, the talent level from Zion just dropping off after that is not there. Two, from a salary perspective, uh, whatever amount they have, uh, that, that salary adds into the cap space. And that is a huge factor if you're able to trade that away or even for a future pick, mm-hmm. then that's not a huge issue because you can – you'd assume you already have your free agents and that's fine. And three, if the Knicks are able to go balls to the wall, we're contending starting next season, the expectation of a young rookie to fit in that situation is – I mean that's just impossible almost. You'd have to be a Zion-like player to just – seamlessly fit in and help a team contend it's a lot of pressure and that's that's just why i have this gut feeling that if the knicks really are persistent about winning this year and it doesn't have to be in an anthony davis trade they could maybe get a free agent and then try to trade for another one i just something about this pick it it feels like it's on the market i mean i i've said it um for i guess about a month now i see no scenario in which the Knicks get Kevin Durant this summer and um, whoever they wind up picking with this draft pick plays a single game for them. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's, if it, you know, even if it's the number one pick and it's Zion, right? Even in that scenario, like if Anthony Davis hasn't already been um, traded to LA and he's very cozy there, you're going to use that pick to go get Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis does get traded to the Lakers in the next eight days and you get the first pick, um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You're, you're probably – and again, this is assuming Durant comes, probably calling Portland to have a discussion about um, you know Dame. I'm trying to think of, of someone else that would be in the, in the conversation. Um, I don't know if you'd do that. I'd, I'd say Drew Holiday just for what it's worth. Um, I, I'm not giving up. Not, not including Anthony Davis, of course. But. I'm, not, I'm not giving up. Um, the first pick for for Drew Dame. Oh I, no no no! It, it meant I meant more in the sense like if you were to need to take back a Hardaway type salary. 
Yeah, no, then, if if it's but if it that's a perfect transition. If you get like the third pick or the fourth pick, you might trade it for Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday or whatever. Right. The point is if Durant is coming here, he is not coming here to watch some kid um learn how to play basketball and like other than Zion, I mean even if it's and but again, if it is the first pick and it is Zion and you could get Anthony Davis with Zion. You're gonna you're gonna get Anthony Davis, and you're gonna pair those two guys together. So yeah, and the smartest thing the Knicks can do is to keep bidding, even if they feel that Anthony Davis is too high of a price point. If Anthony Davis is still a Pelican by July 1st, and the Boston Celtics really want him, then you bid harder for him to raise the price. So one of your division rivals, who is going to be an elite team again, has to overbid and overcompensate. So. Here's the thing that I haven't seen anybody say, and I think it's and I'll let's I'll close well I'll say it and then you respond and we'll, we'll we'll get out of here. If the Knicks don't get the first pick on the draft, which by the by, there is an eighty six percent there is at the very least an eighty six percent chance of happening, and it could be more considering you know they could win a couple games at some point. So there's an eighty six percent chance they do not get the first pick on the draft. If the Knicks don't get the first pick in the draft, they will not be able to field a competitive offer for Anthony Davis if the Celtics decide that they want Anthony Davis. That is a fact. Like, that's there is no discussion. Because, again, KP, because of the contract situation that you explained before, he's, he can't be part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, like, let's just, even if they got the second pick, like, guess what, guys? Second pick plus Kevin Knox plus uh, Mitchell Robinson plus Frank plus Dotson plus I guess it would have to be Timmy's salary at that point. Yeah, all that shit doesn't get you ahead of the Celtics if they're offering Tatum. So, like, I get the whole desire to wait, but you're – it's not like – you know, like, yes, they could get the first pick and then the, the window to trade for Anthony Davis remains open, but if they don't, like your window may shut in eight days, and that's it. Um, so I I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I completely agree with that. Tatum's the best player available when you take KP off the table. And I, there was a report that came out regarding the Lakers and that the Pelicans have no desire to trade with them. I don't blame them. That's certainly the route that Pop and the Spurs took with Kawhi, not to trade with them. Yeah, you you just have to accept the fact that you're not going to have as compelling of a of a package for again an elite player who finished in the top three in the league for the MVP candidate for look, to win the MVP award last year at the tender age of 24. Listen, we're not going to waste time on this podcast talking about exactly. how good Anthony Davis is because if you're listening <laughs> to I, this I, and you don't know how good Anthony <laughs> Davis is, get a get a clue. I'm sorry, but I completely agree. Um, I, you know what? I I lied. This is the last thing. I saw it on t- – somebody posted it on Twitter today, and I apologize. I would give the person credit if I knew who they were, but I don't have time to scroll through and look for it right now. Um, they pitched a trade, and they tagged me and a bunch of other people, which would I, – I don't remember the exact specifics, but it was Porzingis to L.A. I, th- I think – I'm pretty sure this is how it went. I think it was Porz- – or maybe it was – it was some trade where I, I think it was maybe a three-way trade in which we give up Porzingis and we end up with um, Lonzo Ball 
and uh, Brandon Ingram, I believe, was was who we would maybe like Josh Hart. And I, you know, it's like it, the, I feel bad because the person was like completely trashed on Twitter. And then I, I went on this radio show before the game tonight um, from a, a radio show up in I think Montclair. And the guy, the host of the radio show, asked me a similar question. He's like, "What if you could give, you know, get the Lakers kids, and you're giving up KP?" There's a small part of me that, like, I I wouldn't do it, but there's a small part of me that doesn't think it's completely insane. If if, and this is a big if, if they unloaded Timmy's um, contract as well, so that would be a bigger package. It would be like Ingram Ball, I guess Hart. And like, I don't know, Lakers expirings. What? Do, it, it, that's crazy, right? I think so. But I, I also think the other thing is that if you do that deal, you are essentially guaranteeing a big three in Los Angeles, and possibly even more, depending on salary issues. It could be a big three and a half. And I know you can't worry about your competition; you have to stand your own path. But it's kind of hard to give up an all-star, even if he is coming off of a torn ACL, in exchange for a point guard who is incredibly promising, but also dealing with his own injuries, and um, a player in Ingram who who knows what Ingram is exactly. Um, I, I say no. That's I and I'm, I'm probably firmly in the no, but I can understand where uh, the original poster is coming from in that sense. I say no, too, because if you did that trade, you would essentially be like you're not going to be a winning team next year. Um, and you would essentially be signing. I think you'd I think you'd be pretty because like Kevin Durant's not not he's not coming to that team. Um, no. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't do it. But like, I don't know. There was a part of me that was like, eh, I don't know. There was a part of me that was interested. But yeah, I wouldn't do it either. Um, okay. Anything to plug, promote, say, uh, opine, whatever before we go? Um, sure. I'll opine that chances are as the trade deadline comes along, um, you're going to see a lot of trade scenarios that are overvaluing Knicks players and undervaluing the, um, players that would be coming back in return. Just remember that, it's a good compromise when you feel like you're giving something up. If you don't feel like you're giving anything up or that you're not, you don't have to be raked raked over the coals, but usually we tend to appreciate our own players. So as the next week goes on and you're going to see tons of rumors and scenarios and whatnot, just remember that other people and teams do not love our players the way that we may love them. And just keep that in mind. I so will. yeah, I, nothing else to pl- nothing else to to plug. Um, if you had to bet your life on one Nick no longer being a Nick a- after the trade li- deadline, um, which one would it be? And you no can't. Say, I, I was about to say you can't can't say Cantor <laughs> getting bought out. It would be Vonley. Yeah, it'd be Vonley followed by Burke. I feel like there might be some team out there that is saying, "Hey, we might as well throw a second round pick." That's fine. Um, what about yourself? I would agree with those being my top two. Um, and I'm not going to say who my number three would be because I would probably cry. Um, don't just, don't I, do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Don't, don't make me cry. 
I no, there's no. There's now no, we're both crying. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying on the Knicks Film School podcast. All right, Jeremy. Um, we we managed to record a 35 minute podcast after a game that um, I, I like. I don't even know what to say about this. As um, showbiz kid. <laughs> all right, man. You have a good rest of your week. Um, thank you for for taking the time out. I appreciate it. And uh, of course, you guys out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will be back with you um, with another episode at some point. I don't know when that's going to be, but it will be soon. I promise you that. Um, in the meantime, have a good rest of the week yourselves, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.